Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 150. I'm Jessica Duffin, I'm an endo warrior and endo health coach and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them i don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So guys, just to forewarn you, I am recording from Greece at the moment and we are in a, it's not really, it's not a studio, but it's an open plan apartment. And I am recording this at a time where this is the only time I've got to record it, but we do have the oven on in the background because I have to eat quickly before my next call. And we do have a bar, which didn't come up on Google Maps across the road and a police station. Um, So bear with me if there is any noise. Hopefully the oven is quite quiet um, and it's a consistent noise. So hopefully you don't really notice it. So yeah, it's going to be like this for a couple of weeks. I'm in Greece for six weeks and I'm going to do the best I can with the sound quality and um, hopefully it's not too distracting for you guys. And also just to remind you that I'm currently running a free endo belly challenge. Um, We are two weeks in, it's a month long, but you can still sign up. When you sign up, you'll get a link to the previous email. So you'll have a, be taken to a web page with the previous email so you can catch up at your own pace. And then you'll be kind of added into the new emails. You'll get a new email every week on a Monday with an action to help support um, gut health and endo belly healing that week. Um, And the link to join up for that is in the show notes. So a few weeks ago, I shared an episode on addressing low moods in your luteal phase. So that's your pre-menstrual phase, which occurs after ovulation and lasts around, around two weeks. And I started with addressing low blood sugar as our first step to dealing with low moods and improving those symptoms. So in this episode, I want to talk about the other common issue which can cause low moods at this time of your cycle, and that's low progesterone. So I was originally going to talk about low neurotransmitters as well, and we are actually going to touch upon that today to a degree. But actually, just low progesterone alone has so many parts to it. And 
I don't even touch upon all of them in this episode that I think it would be good to just separate this theme into three episodes. So one on low blood sugar, one on low progesterone and one on low neurotransmitters. That way you can work on an area and observe the difference rather than trying to address them all, you know, all the issues at once, you know, when some of them may not even be relevant to you. So at least, at least this way you can kind of see what's relevant and what's not. Also, the, the mic is shaking a little bit because I'm recording on the bed and I I don't know, holding it seems to make it worse. Um, so hopefully you guys don't hear any kind of shaky sounds. Um, so anyway, if you haven't listened to the previous episode on this, then I would really strongly suggest that you start there and begin balancing your blood sugar first because you may not even need to address these next steps if your symptoms improve with better blood sugar levels. And that's really where I would start with addressing any hormonal balance most of the time um, because it's a quick fix and it can have such significant such a significant impact on your hormones and the reason why I'm covering this anyway low moods is because 93% of you said that you suffer with low moods in the week or so before your period and endometriosis is enough to deal with right let alone we're feeling extra teary, anxious, or irritable. So I want to make your period and the rest of your cycle as manageable and even as easy as possible. So even though this may not directly be linked to endometriosis, it will improve your overall experience of your cycle. And in fact, addressing these problems will likely help your endo too. So this observe if, the, if this has a knock-on effect on your endo because it probably will. So let's dive into low progesterone. And to understand this, we need to understand how progesterone is produced in the first place. So the majority of our progesterone comes from a gland called the corpus luteum. This is a temporary gland that is formed once our chosen mature egg is released from its sac-like follicle during ovulation. So the egg is maturing inside a follicle and it erupts from that follicle and from the ovary during ovulation. When this sac no longer holds the egg, it transforms into our corpus luteum. And this gland releases progesterone during the second half of our cycle, and then it disintegrates during our period. And progesterone is responsible for various reproductive roles, such as further preparing the uterine lining and supporting a healthy pregnancy, which is why it's so crucial to have good progesterone levels if you're trying to conceive or if you're struggling with miscarriages but it's also a mood soother and without enough of it, we can get cranky, irritable, depressed or anxious. So progesterone creates a metabolite, which is essentially like a byproduct or end product that is made as a result of progesterone being used. So if you think about estrogen, when we use up estrogen, it breaks down into estrogen metabolites. Same with progesterone. And this metabolite is called allopregnenolone it usually has a positive impact on nerve signaling and brain function. Allopregnenolone binds to GABA receptors and GABA is a neurotransmitter which tends to soothe and calm the nervous system. And just, just to be clear, in case you're not familiar, a neurotransmitter is essentially a chemical messenger which transfers information from one brain neuron to another. And neurotransmitters include um, those group of chemicals known, you know, like serotonin and dopamine, those happy hormones. So GABA, GABA is a calming and soothing neurotransmitter. And when 
allopregnenolone binds to the GABA receptor. This enhances the common effects of GABA, creating a sedative-like response, which can improve sleep, can calm anxiety, and generally soothes both body and mind. However, if we're low in progesterone, we may not have enough allopregnenolone to reap the benefits of GABA. And the reason why why we'll notice this so dramatically in the second half of the cycle is because in in the first half, estrogen is supporting serotonin production, which is our happy hormone. So when estrogen lowers in the second half of our cycle, if we don't have enough progesterone, we may feel a real crash in our mood because we no longer have that nice bump of serotonin either. On the flip side of this though, Research is showing that in those of us with PMDD, which is premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, um, regardless of the levels of progesterone, these people have a negative reaction to the binding of allopregnenolone to allopregnenolone to GABA receptors. So they actually have the opposite reaction. They become anxious and the nervous system over-responds. So if you suspect you have PMDD, just have an awareness of this. Healthy hormone levels will help, but you may also need some extra support due due to this reaction. You know, it's not it's not a, it's not the same as having PMS, right? Balancing our hormones and eating healthily is not necessary enough. We do need to do extra work there. So I've put a link into the show notes where you can read up on this a little more and to two podcast episodes where I cover PMDD and how to manage it. But for those of us without PMDD, lower levels of progesterone can cause insomnia, anxiety, depression, irritability, anger, you name it. And also, by the way, if you suspect you have estrogen dominance and you're wondering, well, why don't we just keep reaping the benefits of high serotonin if our estrogen levels are so high? Well, in many cases, it's not that estrogen is too high in the luteal phase. It's that the progesterone is too low. And then this creates an imbalance where estrogen is too high in relation to progesterone in the luteal phase, because in the luteal phase, progesterone is supposed to reign supreme and estrogen levels are not low. They're just lower than progesterone. Or, you know, you may genuinely have too high levels of estrogen in your luteal phase um, and you might have normal levels of progesterone or you might have elevated estrogen levels and low progesterone. Um, You know, you could have any one of those combinations. The bottom line is estrogen, when it's too high in relation to progesterone or it's too high in general in the luteal phase, that is going to cause you problems. It's going to create an estrogen dominant scenario, which causes PMS. It causes hormonal imbalances and it causes things like mood problems. So it's not going to be beneficial. We can't biohack our way to better serotonin by elevating estrogen in the second half of our cycle. If you have a hormonal imbalance, it's going to cause you premenstrual problems. So the best way to balance your moods in the luteal phase is to balance your hormones. So I just I just kind of wanted to clear that up because the whole boost in serotonin in the first half of our cycle, why can't we do it in the second half? That's why, like, estrogen is not supposed to be elevated in the second half. So how do our levels of progesterone get low in the first place? So number one is a lack of ovulation. 
if we don't ovulate, we don't have healthy progesterone levels because the majority of progesterone will come from the corpus luteum, which is only made once we've ovulated, right? As we just discussed. And many people think if they have a period, they've ovulated, but this isn't the case. You can still have a period without ovulation, guys. It's just not a true period. Sorry, I just hit the mic. It's just not a true period. It's sort of like a breakthrough bleed. So if you want to know for sure if you're ovulating, then you need to use the fertility awareness method to track your cycle. And this will measure your basal body temperature, cervical fluid, and cervix position. And that will give you the exact date you ovulated on. Understanding the fertility awareness method is really another podcast, which I will do in the future. Um, I don't have any plans to do it yet, but I will do it at some stage. So I've provided a link to where you can learn more about it in the show notes, but I also share how to do it in my course and with my clients. So, you know, if you want a bit more support with learning how to do it, then you can join the course or work with me one-to-one when, when the course is out and when I'm taking clients. So what can stop us from ovulating? So what actually stops us from ovulating? Firstly, many things. Many things stop us from ovulating. And I will dive into more of those in another episode, but I'm highlighting a couple of them from for this purpose. The key cause of anovulation, so a lack of ovulation, is usually stress. And that stress can look like work stress, money stress, general life stress, but it can also be physical stresses like chronic inflammation, gut health conditions like SIBO, blood sugar imbalances, too much caffeine because caffeine turns on the stress response, etc. You've heard me talk about these stresses many times before. When our body is stressed, it kicks into survival mode and energy is taken away from non-essential functions and directed to essential functions that will help us to survive. Now, ovulation is not one of those, so that is put on the back burner. Additionally, having a baby when we're under under threat from a from a biological standpoint, is not the best time to bring offspring into the world. So there are several ways that the body responds to to stop us from conceiving. And most of these result in a lack of ovulation or low progesterone. Additionally, when we're stressed, the body will always prioritize cortisol, our stress hormone, because that is our survival hormone. It's what's going to keep us alive. And cortisol and progesterone, they actually fit into the same cell receptors. So when we have higher levels of cortisol, progesterone is blocked from cells, preventing it from getting to work. So even if we have healthy levels of progesterone, if we're stressed, we may not be reaping the same benefits. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. Okay, guys. Um... Side note, Chris has just sorted out my setup, so hopefully it sounds a little bit better. Okay, so another possible cause of low progesterone is hypothyroidism, so hypo, 
which is when the thyroid is producing too little thyroid hormones. Um, so it's underactive. And autoimmune hyperthyroidism, known as Hashimoto's thyroiditis, has actually been linked to endometriosis in several studies, indicating that there could be a greater risk of developing the autoimmune condition in those of us with endo. And some signs of an underactive thyroid are chronic fatigue, low libido, painful joints, cognitive impairments such as brain fog and forget forgetfulness, feeling cold all the time or particularly sensitive to the cold, constipation, dry skin and hair, hair loss or thinning, including the eyebrows, weight gain, low moods or depression, period problems such as heavy, long or painful periods and infertility or miscarriage. I will say that this list can often present with SIBO as well and other gut health conditions. So sometimes gut health conditions mimic thyroid problems. So just bear that in mind as well. I've written an article about the subject, so hypothyroidism and endo, um, but it is quite old and I'd love to update it and add to it. Um, I I was only allowed to write 800 words, so it's not as long as I'd like to be and not as detailed, but it does have some good guidance on how to check for signs of hypothyroidism and how to correctly test your thyroid too, because that's a bit tricky as well. Um, however, the bottom line is, if you're not producing enough thyroid hormones, you won't be making enough progesterone because a lack of thyroid hormones can stop or delay ovulation. And additionally, they a lack of thyroid hormone, hormone will directly affect our ability to make enough progesterone. Another cause of low progesterone would be nutrient deficiencies. And nutrient deficiencies, they're a stressor to the body regardless. And so that could interrupt ovulation alone. But if we don't have adequate nutrients, we might actually struggle to develop healthy follicles, meaning that even if an egg does make it to ovulation, the corpus luteum might be too poor quality to produce sufficient levels of progesterone. And of course, if we don't have the right nutrients to get healthy levels of hormones for ovulation in the first place, then we just might not ovulate. I brought those ones up specifically because there are multiple causes of low progesterone. Those are very the really, really common ones. And they're also ones that we're going to see a lot within our community, right? Hypothyroidism is associated with endo. Nutrient deficiencies, I would argue, are more common with people with endometriosis. I mean, there is actually stats around certain nutrient deficiencies in endo, like um, vitamin D. But um, because so many of us have SIBO, that leads to nutrient deficiencies. So that's why I've raised that one. And also if we're chronically stressed, then that can affect digestion, which will affect nutrient absorption. And arguably we do live with chronic stress, having endo. And, uh, you know, lastly, living with stress can affect ovulation and affect follicle development. So what can we do about the low moves caused by progesterone? Well, clearly there could be a number of causes. So I'm not going to give you a huge to-do list here because that will just that's just going to be overwhelming and unrealistic. So instead, I'm just going to give you some baby steps to try 
And if they don't help over the next few cycles, you could then turn to the deeper investigations of some of the more complex issues that I've raised today. So my first suggestion is to manage stress and raise GABA levels with just one action. Any stress reduction exercises can help to lower stress and raise GABA levels, according to Trudy Scott, who wrote the book, The Anti-Anxiety Food Solution. But particularly, yoga has been shown to be a shining star here and raise GABA levels. So if you like yoga, amazing. Additionally, you could try things like deep breathing exercises or slow movement like Tai Chi or Qigong or forest bathing, which is just a fancy term for walking in nature. But it is walking in nature, like not walking in the city. Um, the more you do of these in your luteal phase, the better you'll likely feel because the higher your GABA levels will be. And the more you do of them all month long, the less likely you'll be to feel low in your luteal phase because hopefully the stress reduction would have supported a healthy ovulation in the first place so progesterone never got low. My second suggestion is to eat more fat. Yeah, that's what I said. And when I say fat, I mean healthy fats like olive oil, avocados and nuts. Our hormones are made of fat and protein, specifically cholesterol and a protein called star protein. If we're not consuming adequate fat, we won't be developing healthy follicles, leading to low levels of progesterone or a lack of ovulation entirely. Additionally, eating enough fat keeps blood sugar levels stable. And we know that imbalanced blood sugar is a major stressor to the body, which of course can lead to delayed or missing ovulation. And that results in PMS. So when we're thinking about serving sizes of healthy fats, we want to be eating around two golf ball sized servings of fat with every single meal. So that might look like two tablespoons of nut butter, or maybe a third of a larger avocado, for example. So that's it. Those are two fairly easy and pleasant, I hope, actions to get started with. Just try eating more fat, and try out some gentle exercises like yoga, breathing, or slow movement. Um, and ideally, with the latter, try maybe at least one of them once a day, if possible. Now, of course, if you have hypothyroidism, or you suspect you do, then these exercises alone aren't going to be enough to recover your progesterone levels. And you'll need to get that addressed. And additionally, if you have gut health issues like SIBO, gut dysbiosis, candida, etc., these are going to be a significant source of inflammation in the body and they will be a chronic stressor, which could be having a real effect on your hormones. And in fact, gut health issues are a leading cause of hormonal imbalances. So the healthier your gut, the better your hormones will be. And the better your endosymptoms will be as, as well, actually. And gut health problems will also very much be behind those nutrient deficiencies as well, just like, you know, as I said earlier. And the toxin known as LPS, uh, lipopolysaccharide, which comes from gram-negative bacteria, can escape through a leaky gut wall. And that's been shown to contribute to the development of autoimmune hyperthyroidism um, and endometriosis as well. And LPS levels are very high in SIBO. So healing that will help to prevent the development of hyperthyroidism or will improve your symptoms if you already have it. Now, of course, gut healing is just a whole other topic. 
and can often take some time to work on. So I'm not going to dive into that here. What I will say is I have plenty of episodes on healing leaky gut, on healing SIBO and general gut healing in general or healing endo belly. And I'm also running a free gut healing challenge at the moment called the endo belly challenge so you can sign up to that if you'd like to begin working on this area of healing and the endo belly challenge is is really um about baby steps so it's it's not too overwhelming at all and hopefully it's actually quite enjoyable and finally the standard protocols that i always bang on about such as eating a nutrient-dense diet um eating an anti-inflammatory diet balancing your blood sugar all of those will have a significantly positive impact on ovulation and progesterone production. So generally, just trying to keep those in mind is going to help here too. Um, in the future, I'll do another spotlight episode on progesterone and how to boost that. But start here and see how you do for, say, a few cycles, like give yourself at least two cycles. And then if you're not experiencing much of a response, begin to investigate some of the other issues that I raised today, like PMDD, hypothyroidism, and SIBO. And additionally, of course, listen out for the final episode in this series to see if that could help you too. But hopefully I've given you some kind of food for thought with this progesterone piece. Um, maybe you've recognized some signs um, for you. And I, you know, hopefully these two actions feel manageable and doable and they have a significant impact on your mood. So I would really, really love to hear if they do help. DM me, keep me posted. I'd love to hear how you guys respond. So I will see you next week. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. 